Today's Bible reading comes from Romans 8, verse 9 to 13. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. My name is Travis. This is Narrabeen Baptist Church. Hopefully you're all in the right place today. Amen. Amen. Well, first of all, I'm going to do two things before we get started. First, um, smile over here in the middle. It'd be great. Smile over here. Everybody smile. Fantastic. All right. We just want to, uh, it's, it's a new thing. First gathering at 9.30, we want to document uh, this historic occasion. So you are the very first people to come at 9.30, and now there's a record of it that you were here. Congratulations. <laughs> Secondly, um, we want to tell you just uh, about uh, a seminar that's happening. Um, we, a few weeks ago, uh, <laughs> Leon, I wanted to say Neil for some reason, I don't know why, um, Leon got up here, and uh, we talked about how we here at NBC are thinking about lots of things that we can uh, grow in and continue to do better. And one of those things was thinking about how we care for one another. What does it look like for us to come alongside one another, uh, to care for people uh, who are in need, whether that's a, a, a spiritual thing, um, a, a mental thing, a physical thing. Um, and so we have developed something that we are calling NBC Care Team, and uh, upcoming, uh, I think we might have a, there might be a slide somewhere, um, that we are having a uh, training day. Uh, is it this Tuesday? Tuesday this Tuesday night. Um, for those of you who are interested in joining this team, which is simply getting together to pray for and thinking about what does it look like for us to, to care for one another well. Um, and so we're going to have a, um, a meeting this Tuesday night here at 730 um, and get trained up. And how do we do that? How do we care for one another well? How do we go out of our way to make sure, whatever it's a, a physical, spiritual, or whatever thing, that we can actually um, be meeting needs of one another? So if you'd want to be a part of that team or you're interested in, in how you can do that better, we'd love for everybody to come along to that seminar on um, Tuesday night. And it's going to be fantastic. So if you have more questions, come and talk to Leon or Kieran or myself or Katie afterward, and we can tell you more about what that night's going to be. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into God's Word. And if you have Romans 8 still open, um, that might be helpful for you today. But let me start off by praying. Uh, Father God, we want to thank you for, um, yeah, this, this new time uh, to gather and meet. Um, we thank you that we, can, uh, we know that you, your Spirit is present with us um, whenever we gather together to sing your praises, to pray to you, to encourage one another. 
And uh, we pray that your spirit would be at work in moving in and through us as we open up your word. We pray that you would speak to us and that we would have ears to listen to what you have to say. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, three times, three times in the past two weeks, different people have told me that I'm not an Aussie. Um, I instantly feel highly offended. And I pull out this photo, it's coming on the screen, of my wife and I holding up our Australian citizenship certificates, which were handed to us by some politician lady who really liked helicopter rides. Um, we were given... We were given these Banksia plants at, our, uh, at this citizenship ceremony, which happened to take place on Australia Day. I'm even, if you notice, wearing a Socceroos jersey. <laughs> what could get more Aussie than that? Um, apparently, you can be more Aussie than this, um, because even after producing this photo or telling people that uh, I've lived in Sydney longer than I've lived anywhere else or that I call it Macca's instead of McDonald's or I drive on the left instead of the right side of the road or whatever, I'm still told that, Travis, you're not really an Aussie, though. I don't talk like an Aussie does. I can't trace my roots back to the first fleet. I didn't grow up playing AFL or cricket or rugby. I don't like Vegemite. I mean, that right there seals it, right? That seals the deal. I'm, I'm not really an Aussie. Uh, similarly, when I talk to my friends and family back in the U.S., they tell me I'm not really an American anymore. Um, no one knows how to respond when someone, one of my friends call and I say, how are you going? They don't really know how to respond because you don't really say that in America. What do you mean, how am I going? By, by car or train or... <laughs> We don't say that in the U.S. Uh, I haven't lived in, on U.S. soil in over a decade. Uh, I, I like really strange things like universal health care and pavlova and mandatory voting and four weeks of holiday or even simple everyday things like not getting shot. I really like that. <laughs> and so according to my friends and family back home, I'm not really American anymore. Um, which, if both of those groups of people are correct, that means I'm, uh, I'm somewhere here <laughs> in, this, in this awkward middle ground. Um, they'd say, um, this is where I'm at. I'm, I'm American, but I'm not really American. I'm, I'm Aussie, but I'm not really Aussie. Uh, they tell me I'm just this weird byproduct of having a foot in each space, which makes me neither in the end. Um, and it makes me ask myself, well, who the heck am I then, right? Like, who am I? Well, um, jumping into our text for today, somewhere around 55 AD, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter that uh, part of it was just read for us earlier to the church in Rome. It was a church community that he had never visited, but he was hoping to visit one day. And he had heard about them and wanted to write a letter encouraging them, reminding them of what life in Christ look like, as well as how to live um, as one community made up of people, uh, different people groups. So in this church, there would have been people from Jewish backgrounds, Greek, Roman backgrounds, all sorts of different people groups. And in the first half of the book, Paul is making the case that all of humanity has a problem, whether you're Jewish ethnically or not. Um, this is what he says in Romans chapter 3. He says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, 
And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. He says here that it doesn't really matter who you are, that all of humanity has the same problem. Um, That all of us, we, collectively, individually, have cut ourselves off from God. We have put something else on the throne of the universe that we follow after. Um, But he says we all have one, there's one common solution to all of us as well. That is Jesus. He says we cannot experience God's love and life apart from him. From something that drastically needs to change in us. And this drastic thing, according to Paul later on in Romans 5, is this. He says, For you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's all of us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there's the drastic thing that even though we couldn't help ourselves, even though we were stuck... Christ stepped in and died for us. And in Romans chapter 6 then, Paul encourages this church community that because they were all powerless to rescue themselves from a life apart from God, and because Jesus intervened on our behalf, that we are changed. We're transformed by this amazing gift, this amazing grace. So don't keep living the way you used to, he says. Have a look at Romans 6 verses 1 and 2. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? So that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. So how can you live in it any longer? So this is the story, right? We've been changed. We had the problem. Jesus has saved us. We've been rescued. We've been transformed. And we shouldn't go back to the life that we are living. But then Paul does something very strange in Romans chapter 7. Uh, In verses 15 to 21... He says something that many, maybe many of us can identify with. This is, a, this is a fun to read, so forgive me if I mess it up, but it's a, it's a good section. This is what he says. For I do not understand what I do. For I, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Uh, It seems that Paul is highlighting uh, the same issue I find uh, as a dual citizen, right? I'm in this awkward middle space. It appears that Paul is saying, yes, Jesus has died for us and given us new life. However, we still live in these bodies of flesh. We still struggle with choosing to do the wrong thing. We, We still mess up. We fall short. We make mistakes. We're prone to wander. And many Christians have taken Paul to mean that our life looks like this. Can you go to this? Um, that it's hard to see. There's a line there. It says, uh, this is where we are, possibly. This is how we interpret it. There's one realm over here um, and another realm over there. Just like the question of who I really belong to, Paul seems to be making a similar case. Uh, The case that we who believe in Jesus find ourselves in the the middle 
uh, of these two realms, where one realm is planted in the realm of the spirit, and one realm is planted in the realm of the flesh, uh, uh, where we continue to mess up and make mistakes. Um, but the, the, the other part of us is planted in the realm of the spirit, where there is new life, and there is victory over sin, and there's confidence that we have that we belong to Jesus now and forever. But is that what Paul is really saying? It, because it seems like it's something that we can identify with. That, yeah, we have Jesus in our life, yet we still struggle, we still mess up. And if that's the case, then this Christian life is lived in this weird middle ground here, in that gray section, um, where we belong to both worlds, but also to neither. We're just stuck here meandering about until Jesus returns, or we die and go to heaven, and then our struggles and, and our pain will just magically disappear. And then Paul ends chapter 7 by shouting this, He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Right? He he says, it's like I find myself planted with with one foot in each of these realms. I'm in this awkward middle state, and yet I'm still struggling. Who's going to rescue me from this? Well, today I want to examine Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start a new series that's going to go for the next few weeks of looking at the second half of the book of Romans and see if this is what Paul is actually saying, that we are merely byproducts of these two spaces that we occupy, caught between worlds, in need of something drastic to happen to us to rescue us from these bodies of death. Um, So have a look, if you have Romans chapter 8 still open, have a look at verses 1 and 2. Paul says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Well, what's Paul saying here? Well, it's pretty obvious. He says this. We are no longer condemned, but justified. We are no longer condemned, but justified. He uses this law court language to describe humanity's situation. It's like there's a trial going on. And we are the defendants. We are being accused of rejecting God, of falling short of how God designed us to live, um, not measuring up to who we were created to be. And it is either one of two verdicts. One, you are guilty, and therefore you're condemned. Or, you are set free, vindicated, declared righteous. Which one of these two verdicts does Paul indicate is true about those who belong to Jesus. Which one? It's not hard. He says, look at the, just look at the language that he uses. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. He says, you are no long, there's no condemnation. You are no longer condemned because of what Jesus has done. And then he says, you are set free from sin and death. In Jesus, you are not condemned, but made right, justified. Let me call this Citizenship argument number one, okay? You are not condemned, but justified. But Paul isn't finished. Have a look at verses 5 to 11. I'm just going to read this uh, to you, or you can follow along in your Bibles, because it's a long section. He says this, "Those Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, 
But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Okay, what's Paul saying here? It's a big section. What does he mean? Well, he says that because of Jesus, your citizenship, your allegiance has changed. Those who are citizens of the realm of the flesh um, are hostile to God. That is, they live for anything other than God, and all they will find is death. That's what he says. But he says those who are citizens of the realm of the Spirit, who have the Spirit in them, who do what the Spirit does, have peace with God. They will find life even in what seems to be death. You can flash that next point on the screen. So we are not condemned but justified. That's argument number one. Number two, he says we're not destined for death but life. Paul then tells this church community these words. Have a look at verse 9. He says, You, however, talking to Christians, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. In other words, Paul says, You're not at all any longer in that realm of the flesh over here, uh, in the realm of selfishness and in death, where you can't help yourself, where you just keep making mistakes and messing up. He says, your identity has changed. Your citizenship has been changed completely. Let's call this citizenship argument number two. All right? But Paul's still not done. Have a look at verses 14 to 17 in your Bibles. I'll read it out for you. It says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul's making some really massive statements here. Paul is saying that because of Jesus, we have been given his very spirit to be in us, to live in us. And when the spirit of God lives in you, it means that you are no longer alienated, but adopted. You're no longer alienated, but adopted. Paul, again, is using Roman legal language here to describe what happens to someone who doesn't belong to your family, but they've been officially made into your family. They once belonged somewhere else, to someone else, but now they've been adopted as children, legal children, and get to share in all the privileges and rights of being part of this new family. He says that we get to call God Abba, which is... This term of, of closeness, of intimacy. It's like calling someone daddy, right? 
good that we're talking about this on Father's Day, this term of intimacy, of, of this deep connection, where it's not just some authority figure, it's someone that you know and love and you know that cares for you. And yes, he says, we share in the sufferings of Jesus when we belong to him, but it also means that we share in his glory, that everything he has is ours too. We might call this uh, citizenship argument number three. Well, let's take a look at the dilemma Paul seems to be talking about in Romans 7 again. A dilemma many of us feel true is true for us, right? As I've stated before, in Romans 7, Paul appears to make this argument that this is who we are, right? We have one foot in the realm of the Spirit, where we have Jesus in us, we have this transformed life, and uh, we have this confidence uh, that we belong to Him, but then we have another foot in the realm of the flesh still, a realm where we're still stuck we, we still make mistakes. We're still subject to sin and death. And we're in this awkward middle ground. We belong to Jesus, but we can't help but still sin and mess up. And like many people say about me, it means that we don't really have a, a, a clear identity. That's what Paul seems to be saying in chapter 7. But when you examine Romans 8 and look at those three arguments, Paul says something different. He says, we're not condemned but justified. We are not people of death, but of life. We are not alienated, but adopted. And he uses very strong language to say that if you belong to Jesus, you are a completely different person. You have a new identity, a new allegiance, a new citizenship. Well, let me show you what Paul says in chapter 8 from a different perspective. This is what he says here, a little bit different. He says that we don't at all belong to the realm of the flesh at all. We're not there anymore. But we've been entirely transported over to the realm of the Spirit. We are, we are here. We're not here anymore. There's no overlap. There's nothing. Um, so wait, is, is Paul confused then? He, I mean, he says something in chapter 7. He, he seems to be saying something in different, in, different in chapter 8. Well, what's he saying? Well, the key to understanding this dilemma is found in the beginning of Romans chapter 7. You can look at this later on your own. But remember when I said that Paul is talking to a very diverse church made up of different people groups of ethnically Jewish people, Greek, Romans, etc. Well, one of the foundational issues this church had, and many multi-ethnic churches today have, is this. What is our identity together? Uh, The very first church I worked at had a, uh, a lot of Spanish-speaking people. And the way that they dealt with this question of how do, we, how do we exist as two different people groups is that they would separate English speakers out from non-English speakers, right? They would have a service um, for those, for, for English, in English and do things that were very familiar to English-speaking Americans. And then there would be another church service for, in Spanish for those who spoke Spanish, and, and they would do things that were familiar uh, for people from Spanish-speaking backgrounds. That's how they sort of answered that question. And whether that's uh, a good thing to do or not, this church in Rome was asking similar questions. What does it mean for us to coexist? Do we separate out uh, you Jewish people from you non-Jewish people? And the biggest sticking point uh, was, what do we do with the Old Testament law? Do we make these non-Jews follow this law that we Jewish Christians follow? Is there a point to even still following this thing at all? And in chapter 7, Paul explains to the brothers and sisters from Jewish backgrounds that though the law is a good and helpful thing, it 
in and of itself cannot save you. Following the rules uh, is a good thing to do. But even doing that, we can't do what everyone, he says earlier in Romans, is powerless to do. To live perfectly how God designed us to live. So he gives this illustration of what uh, someone trying to live for the law looks like. That you want to be the best person that you can to, to follow all these rules, but you can't. You can't quite measure up. You'll never get there. And he says, it's like when you do that, you're having a foot in two different spaces. And you're in this awkward middle ground. And he says, well, he ends by, who will rescue me from this body of death? And his answer is in verse 25 of chapter 7. He says this, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's going to rescue me from that pattern where I want to live for the law, I want to be a good person, but I can't measure up and do it. I'm in this awkward middle ground. He says, thanks be to Jesus. He's the one who rescues us from that pattern. That struggle, he says, is not our struggle anymore. So what do we do then? Uh, If it's true that I'm not condemned but justified, I'm not destined for death but life, I'm not alienated but adopted, that I don't have one foot in both realms, but I find my citizenship solely in the realm of the Spirit, why does it feel like the old paradigm in chapter 7 is true for many of us? How can I have the Spirit of Jesus living in me, and yet I still mess up, I still make mistakes, I still fall short, I feel limited? Well, Paul answers that question this way. He says this in chapters 12 and 13, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So what's Paul saying here? Well, let me put it this way. Your citizenship, your identity derives from where you choose to live. Your citizenship, your identity derives from where you choose to live. And we sin only because we choose to visit our old stomping grounds from time to time. Um, We sin not because we no longer belong to Jesus or because we live in this awkward middle space. We sin because every once in a while we think it might be nice to visit where we used to reside. We get lazy or bored or take our eyes off Jesus or we step back into old habits But by doing that doesn't mean that that's where we really belong or that we're still caught in this struggle. Let me me give you an example another way. I'm an Aussie citizen. Uh, You may disagree with me. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. That's cool. Uh, But I live here. This is my home. These people, you people, are my people. Um, I may sound different to you. I may not enjoy Vegemite. But that doesn't make me any less Aussie. Uh, I may even call myself an American because it's just less confusing to people. But I don't feel so much American anymore. Uh, See, I go back to the U.S. to visit every once in a while for a very short time. But that's not my people anymore. These people are. This place is. Advance Australia Fair. Right? (laughs) In the same way, you and I, you and I have been changed because we believe in Jesus. We are not the same. We are not living in this balancing act of having our feet precariously placed uh, until Jesus comes back. We are not condemned, but justified. We're not people of death, but of life. We're not alienated, but adopted. And Paul says that we have an obligation. 
Not to visit your old stomping grounds anymore, but to live where your true citizenship is found. To be people who wake up every day and say, I'm a child of God. I've been made righteous. I am one who knows life and peace because the Spirit of God is living in me. I'm changed. And with this reality in your brain and in your heart, you will live and look like a citizen of the realm of the Spirit. So let's no longer think that we're caught in the middle, but with confidence live according to His Spirit. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we can cry, Abba, Father. That we are children, adopted, not alienated. We are justified and made righteous because of your Son, not condemned. We are people who know life and peace, not death, because the Spirit of God lives in us. And Paul encourages us here to live where we are reside where our citizenship is, to be people who live according to your spirit uh, each and every day. If that's our reality, um, help us to choose every day to live there, to not visit um, our old nature of living in the flesh, of not being able to help ourselves, but to live in the confidence knowing that you uh, have given your very spirit to us, that you died and rose to life And that reality is true for us because you live in us. Help us as a church community uh, to live this truth out as well. That as we gather, uh, as we scatter, wherever we find ourselves in this world, that we may be people uh, who live according to your spirit and not according to the realm of the flesh anymore. We thank you that our citizenship has been changed because of Jesus. Help us to live that way. We pray this in his name. Amen.